is the Shelter Island Reporter Podcast, conversations with some of the island's fascinating people. I'm Susan Carey Dempsey, and I'm speaking today with Arielle Gardner, the new manager of Sylvester Manor Educational Farm. How she got here is a story you'll want to hear. Arielle, I think you have one of the uh, most interesting jobs I can think of on Shelter Island, and <laughs> it sort of embodies so much of Shelter Island. So tell us what your what your new role is, and as as of now, in the spring of 2023, what you'll be doing as you get that underway. Great. Yes, I am so excited to now be farm manager at Sylvester Manor, so sort of all things farm, which is incredible. You know, Sylvester Manor is such a dynamic organization here on Shelter Island. And to be part of the farming is sort of like a dream come true. You know, I feel like it's such a historic place and it's much different than any other farm because of its history and the stories that it, it holds. So stewarding the land, that's that's the main goal responsibly, right? Yeah, stewarding the land responsibly, that that really does fit into a lot of the overall mission of, of the farm. And of course, Sylvester Manor is, is sort of the original European settlement on the island. So it, its history goes back before it was farming for sustenance. You know, it, it was a plantation and and we have a lot about its history that's more surrounding the manor and its immediate grounds but now there's also the farm that has kind of been brought back into operation so what what do you actually what actually gets farmed these days at Sylvester Manor (laughs) well yes it was a provisioning plantation for the sugarcane operation in Barbados which of course we're we're not doing now we're uh farm for the community. So all kinds of vegetables um, and flowers. So right now we are knee deep in soil and seeds. We are seeding, seeding, seeding away in the greenhouse um, of which we hung a disco ball. So we're also dancing while we seed. (laughs) It's definitely, (laughs) yes, if you come visit us, you'll see our big giant disco ball in the greenhouse. We like to have fun this time of year. You know, we want to keep it sort of light because as the season progresses, the work just gets more and more intense. So spring is, you know, such an exciting time, a rebirth on the farm. We are mulching our asparagus. We're remulching our garlic. We're getting beds prepped. We're adding compost. We're building a new compost pile. We're cleaning all all of the things that were sort of left aside at the end of the season up getting everything ready for for the season working to make sure we have you know all the puzzle pieces that that make up a, a farm in place so irrigation all of our plants and and the staff you know we're onboarding a whole new crew this year which is exciting i was wondering when you said we really who this is, you know this is a lot of hands are needed so how, where yes. does the uh, the work get how does that get done it's definitely a mountain that we have to climb together. We have five apprentices that help out on the farm and some college students who also help out in the summer months. Mm-hmm. And we have a, sort of a cohort of volunteers that when we need them, uh, come come running. We have some guardian angels who weed the fields and uh, I'm excited to work with them. So it, t- it truly takes a village to, to farm 
the acreage that we have, but currently it's just the apprentices and we're onboarding them and getting them sort of dialed into what what's growing on at Sylvester Manor. So it's exciting to have a good team. I think that's the most important thing in farming is having a good team around you and, and working together. Yeah. So if people want to volunteer, I guess, what, how do they do that? That's a great question. We're, we're sort of like figuring that out as Sylvester Manor, because there's always that you can get involved, right? Yeah. From the manor house to the farm. But honestly, if you want to volunteer, someone should just get in contact with me and I will figure out how to loop you in, whether that's helping out for a CSA pickup or mm-hmm. coming and working in the fields. Right now, direct to me is is the best way. And uh, I'll give you my email and anyone who wants to lend a hand should just shoot me a note. Go ahead right right now. What's the best email for them to use? It's a gardener at sylvestermanor.org. And gardener, G-A-R-D-N-E-R. Yes. Yes. Unlike the other gardeners. <laughs> yes. I'm the blind gardener with no eye. <laughs> With no eye. Oh my goodness. All right. You figured that one out. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Maybe it would be of interest. I'm certainly interested to know how you got to, to this point because you've done a lot of interesting things. And I'm trying not to make a play on words with Gardner, but your life has <laughs> involved a lot of a lot of flowers, a lot of growing. So uh tell us a little bit more about what you were doing before. Yeah, so most immediately before people probably know me from my small business called Little Spoon, where I was growing flowers for the community, weddings and events, and also installed some private gardens and worked with families to grow vegetables for them and and their kids and teaching young children how to grow vegetables and what it means to, you know, get your hands dirty and really dig into being a little backyard farmer. So I had fun. Yeah. yeah, I think that (laughs) was the best part of my business, being able to educate the youth. You know, if one of these young children grows up to want to change the world in agriculture, then it's a win, you know, and most of the kids that come out for the summer, they're city kids and they, they haven't held a worm. They haven't got their hands dirty. So, so it's fun to see, you know, their reaction as the season goes on when we plant the seeds all the way to harvest. I think I love that part of my about my business. But also I love the wedding aspect of my business. Nothing is cooler than being part <laughs> of someone's forever union, you know, and being able to be part of something like that to me is 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 a big responsibility and also just a really nice thing, you know, to be part of someone's forever I do. Yes, but also that's one of those behind the scenes, absolutely crucial components. Yeah. That could, I wouldn't say it could make or break, but certainly is a lot of pressure on the florist. Totally. It's people don't realize like what the wedding would be without flowers. Yeah. And so I'm fortunate to have worked with a, a bunch of venues here on Shelter Island and I will continue to do weddings in concert with another florist who runs a shop in Southhold. His name is Brian and he runs a shop called Ivy League. And in order to, you know, continue my wedding business, he and I are teaming up. He's an excellent designer and I'm an excellent people person who really <laughs> gets the clients and knows 
what they want. So as I move forward with Sylvester Manor, you know, I'll have a, a ton more responsibility. So partnering with Brian really helps me continue to do weddings and helps him. He just an excellent florist and and has been in the business for 10 plus years and just knows his stuff. So having, again, like teamwork and and finding ways to collaborate within community to make it happen is the goal. Yeah. And that's good news for obviously the the, uh, couples who are planning weddings on Shelter Island, which is one of the most amazing places to have any kind of special event. And certainly weddings are really happy part of that. And so before that, what, what yeah. was in your young life, what, what, what has brought you to this point? Uh, well, I'll give you this sort of rundown of how I got to where I am. I went to college in Manhattan and uh, went to school for cosmetics and fragrance marketing and chemistry, which is kind of wild. And to put myself through college, I was working in fine dining restaurants in Manhattan and I worked in all these three Michelin star environments, of which I continued to do. I relocated to Northern California to also work in fine dining after graduating. And the three Michelin star restaurant I was working in in California had a really wonderful three-acre culinary garden. And every morning before service, well, not every morning, I think like four days a week before work, I would go, I'd wake up at eight work in the garden as a volunteer, finish around noon, and then shower up and, and work service from three to midnight. So that was sort of like my my first glimpse into, you know, farming and realizing like seed to plate, you know, serving what what we were growing or what I was helping to harvest. And that really clicked with me. And And so I went to my boss and I said, I really just want to work in the garden and I don't want to work in the dining room anymore. And (laughs) he was like, no. (laughs) And I was like, okay, then I quit. (laughs) And I did. So I departed from that job happily. Great relationship there. But, you know, I wanted I wanted to farm. So I was also really invested in wine. You know, when you work in these top tier restaurants, you get exposure to wines from all around the world. And I was living in the heart of Napa Valley and I was driving past grapevine after grapevine. And I was like, you know, I've drank wines from everywhere, but I I don't know anything about how they're farmed. So I started applying to internships and this wonderful woman named Kelly uh, at a winery called Hudson Vineyards took a chance with me and she gave me my first internship. And I was basically on a tractor all night. I would start at 10 p.m. What? Yep, I would start at 10. We would wrap up around 7 because in Napa Valley, they pick wine grapes at night because of the temperature shift. So during the day, it could be 100 degrees, but at night, it's 50, 65 degrees. And you want to bring in wine grapes cold so that they're and ready to go for winemakers to sort of make decisions. But if they're hot, they could start fermenting. And so we we would pick the grapes all night long. And my job was to drive a tractor that illuminated the (laughs) the rows so that the pickers could see all the grapes. Yeah. So I lost a lot of hair and a lot of sleep that season. And I can't believe (laughs) that. I mean, when people are enjoying their glass of wine, they don't really know that that goes into it. Some people don't, which is... Okay, you know, but it is okay. It's a labor of love and yeah, and hard work. Yeah. But you know, through that 
experience, somehow I was convinced that farming was for me. Uh, and I went on to work at some really wonderful wineries. After that, I worked at a winery called Harlan Estate. I worked at a winery called Bedrock Wine Co., which was amazing. What a great team there. We we farmed all historic vines there, mainly, meaning vines that were 80 to 100 years old all throughout Northern California, which wow. was incredible. I worked um, for a biodynamic winery called Litteri in Sonoma County, where I worked with cows and sheep and chickens and all kinds of different plants. And we started a culinary or more like a, not a culinary garden, a vegetable garden for charity there, where we were donating all of our produce to the Redwood Empire Food Bank. And we were donating thousands of pounds of food. My my boss who owned the winery wanted to show other wineries that with your fallow acreage, you could really make a difference by growing vegetables. And that's when it clicked for me where I was like, you know, wine is great, but food is nutrition and food is really the future of what, what we need to do and provide for people. I mean, it's been, it's not the future, it's the past, it's, it's all, all things. So it's our, it's our history of humanity <laughs> and our future. Yeah. And so I said, that's it. I am, I got to just farm vegetables. And I moved back home here to Long Island, where I grew up, and took a job with Amber Waves farming vegetables over there. And then after that, started my own business and, and now sort of found a home in Sylvester Manor. So that's the long version. That is quite a journey. Yeah. I really cannot imagine. But what's great is is it wasn't just, you know, randomly trying new right. things. Each step sort of grew into another right. phase that made sense to you and that, that built on what you had done. And also apparently gave you very good sense of satisfaction. Yes, I, I think that the, the wonder is always for me and has been, you know, how am I making an impact on people's lives with what I'm doing? And how, what is, what is that? How does that feel? Is it, is it dropping a a thousand dollar check on a table? Does that feel good for me? No, probably not. Does uh, working for a winery where you have to spend several hundred dollars on a bottle, does that feel good? I'm not sure. But then, you know, (laughs) when I found vegetables and, you know, fruits and all that and seeing the impact that it made when we were donating them was that, 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 that was like, sure. okay, here we go. Now you've, you've got it. Something good. <laughs> so. Right. Right. You've hit that sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. So it feels good. Well, this I'm sort of jumping ahead, but it does remind me that in, in your work as, as mm-hmm. florist, you have found a way to to do that, to reach out and help people personally mm-hmm. on Shelter Island. Uh, I know this Thanksgiving, um, not Thanksgiving, uh, this Valentine's Day and on last year, you worked with the Senior Center to find seniors who might appreciate a special Valentine. Yeah. And I think that is is a real yeah. example of how you try to, you know, touch someone's life, make a difference. And it it ties in directly to what you are doing in your mm-hmm. work, you sort of get that that extra, you know, dividend, yeah. I guess. <laughs> Whatever those good hormones are when you when you're helping <laughs> someone, 
And and did that, do you remember how you got that idea? I mean, that, that really was a lovely thing that, that yeah, happened. I don't know how I come up with the crazy ideas that I do, but once <laughs> I come up with an idea, I am doing it. Like, you're not going to stop me. Like I, it, it may cost me all the money that I have and I might not make any, but <laughs> if I come up with an idea that feels good to me, like we're going to make it happen. And yeah. I think maybe just thinking about my grandma who lost her husband and is, you know, often alone and, you know, think about the people in your life that you've loved and love you. And and it's sad when they get older and you want to go visit them every day, but that's not really practical, especially when they live, you know, not on Shelter Island or further away. So I think thinking about my own family and how much I know when I bring my grandma flowers, it brings her so much joy and just the the little things like that. And I started, you know, as an EMT, like we visit a lot of homes of the elderly and you realize like they are alone, you know, and it's, it's. Oh, no, that's a very important concern. And especially on Shelter Island, a lot of our population is elderly and it, that face-to-face connection just to make sure someone is is okay or just so that they know that somebody's looking in yeah. after them. And that, I want to touch on that because at some point you came, decided to come mm-hmm. to Shelter Island, decided to be part of this community and become an mm-hmm. EMT. So I don't know how you have packed <laughs> all this into what it's to me like a very young life. So how, how did that phase, when did you get to the island and yeah. how did you decide you'd become an EMT? I got to the island in 2020 and uh, I did not move here because of the pandemic or anything like that. My grandparents had a bed and breakfast on the North Fork of Long Island called Top of the Morning for over 15 years in Kachog. So I grew up out here. We have a family house in Kachog and my grandfather was always throwing us on the boat and taking us over to Shelter Island. So I've known it for a long time. And when I moved back here, I was living in Amagansett and working at Amber Waves and my grandmother is on the North Fork of Long Island. So it was sort of like this really nice go between of not having to drive all the way around. And I just sort of like magically found a a spot here and it's, I love it here. I mean, I, I can't live anywhere else. It's, it's, it just immediately, like, as soon as you get off the ferry, you feel like you're just, <laughs> it's like a big sigh of just like, I'm home. And I think that I felt that way yeah. the ever, like the first ever time coming back here. <laughs> just like, yeah, it's, it's so true. such, such an incredible place. So I'm lucky to find a, a home in it. I moved here in sort of the tail end of the season in 2020 in October, November. And it was just like winter, my first winter here. And I was like, oh my goodness, what do I do? I don't know that many people here. And so I was like, I want to get involved with the community. I want to meet more people. And I actually was like, I'm going to be a firefighter. I'm going to be like the a female firefighter. And I sort of looked into that. <laughs> they, could, they, they could use that. Yeah. yeah. There, there now is a, a, a young female firefighter. I don't know her name, yes. um, but yes. off the top of my head, but good for you, girlfriend. <laughs> and, uh, but when I was thinking of it, I, I sort of inquired. And the more I looked into it, the more people were like, we really could use more EMTs than firefighters just because we have, a, it's a greater need on, on Shelter Island. And I want to go where the need is. So I, 
I got with right. Anne Marie and Jack, who, you know, are wonderful people in the organization, and they trained me right up. And I was a driver for about a year and a half before I became an EMT. And just being a driver and getting introduced to the whole organization and how it works and meeting so many amazing yeah. people in the community, it was the best. And uh, you get to a point where you're like, all right, I really want to put on the gloves and <laughs> take their blood pressure <laughs> and like dig in deeper to help somebody. Yeah, yeah. Here. I mean, yeah. driving is definitely a help and everyone that lends a hand really plays a, a part in it. So, yeah, but yeah, just wanted to keep going and continue to, to be able to, to help. And so I feel so lucky to be part of that organization. It really has helped me create a, a foundation of, of community and friendship here. It was like, now I have such a great yeah. network of people in my life. That's so great that you did that. I think everyone knows that you and your people that you're a part of is is such a great service and such a needed service in the community. And it, it it's much more of a constant need. Obviously, when there's a fire, that's an of emergency. Course. And thank goodness the firefighters respond. But, you know, almost every week, there are two or three calls. And right. it's really... A uh, wonderful way for you to say I'm I'm part of this community and and not wait for someone to discover you, but say, hey, I'm putting my <laughs> hand up and I will be part of your team. I will drive. I'll learn how to take care of people and become a, a very familiar and welcome face when when you're needed to be part yeah. of that operation. That is great. I mean, that is a really important side, a little side gig <laughs> you got for yourself. Yeah, I, I love there. it. <laughs> it's very important to me that. It- that I'm part of that. So, and I'm so grateful. That is hopefully something that is rarely needed, but you will <laughs> be there when called. Going to uh, what's coming up after mm. the spring. Are you now sort of laying out your your year? What What is it going to mean around the year on the farm? Yeah. Well, we've got a crop plan in place The and we're doing our best to sort of get everything in motion and ready. We We've done some unique things since I've been on the farm. We moved the pigs that we raise for meat into one of our newly cultivated fields because it's the second year that it'll be planted. I wanted to add some nutrient to the soil. I wanted to give it a boost. So we put the pigs there to really give that soil an extra bit of <laughs> nutrient. I was say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's breaking news that we've got the pigs fertilizing the uh, the, the new yeah, crops. Yeah, <laughs> They'll move soon. They're great there. So that was a big win for me, you know, in, in farming, like full circle all the way to have the animals graze the land that you cultivate vegetables on and then to have those animals yeah. be come bacon and meat that is nourishing and have been raised with real care and love. I mean, that's the full circle idea of farming. So we've got that going on and then we'll get a new batch of pigs early spring. How old are they when you get them? It depends. This will be my first season getting new piglets. So I can't really speak to what has happened in the past, but I believe they come not super tiny piglets, but yeah, small. And then right now they, they have to be over 200 pounds. I mean, (laughs) they're in there and they rub up against me now, like a dog on my leg. And I'm like, Ooh, you're going to knock me over. (laughs) Uh, So they get to be pretty big. Yeah. They're just 
incredible animals to have on the farm. So we've got that going, an animal component. We also just got 150 baby chicks who are living in our greenhouse right now because it's nice and warm. And so by August, they'll be laying eggs, which is awesome. They're all olive eggers. So they'll be laying blue and green eggs, which is a nice little addition to what we have already, which is like brown and tan uh, layers. And will those be at the farm stand on uh, Manor yes, Road? Yes. Mm-hmm. Great. I mean, I, I've been I've been happily shopping there for for years, but um, it's always great to see when when the the stand is Good. open. Uh, everything, from meat to, to flowers to vegetables yep. and eggs. Colored <laughs> yes, eggs. green eggs and ham. That's what you can get at Sylvester Manor. <laughs> 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 that should we have to have a sign made put that Too one cute. up there yeah well I, I think this has been one of the most interesting interviews I've had because I really feel like we're on the farm I can you know smell the air and <laughs> we're inviting other people to that experience either to come and volunteer with you or to shop yeah, there and this year we're we're working on a concept for a you pick for the public not just for our CSA members Ooh. so we're working towards getting something together. I don't have the specific details on it yet, but we definitely want more people on the farm and in the community to step into the fields, to pick themselves a bouquet of flowers and to feel like they're they're part of it. Well, keep us posted and we'll let people yeah. know when that starts. I think people yeah, would love you know, that. We've previously only had it for CSA members and now we want to open it up to the whole community. Excellent. Well, thank you. I know you're a busy person, so you gave us your valuable time. And it's great learning more about Sylvester Manor Farm and about area partners. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. 